This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 365 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Dortmund walking over rose petals on their way to the semi-final of the German Cup and we will preview Saturday's big game against Bayern Munich. For all that and more joins me, the editor-in-chief of Spielverlagerung.com who has bylines with the BBC, The Times, ESPN, NTV, T-Online Sport, the DFL and he has a YouTube channel named after himself Konstantin Eckner, welcome to the show. Hello, Konstantin, how are you doing? Hi, Stefan. I didn't ask you to include any of that, but um, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm fine. Good, good, good. Yeah. How are you? I'm, are I'm you doing, doing well myself. Well on this uh, rainy or however the weather is over there. Um, it's sunny in Philadelphia today, so that's nice. And also, we have a sponsor for this episode. Wir sind komplett schuldenfrei. Wir zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. This episode is sponsored by John Deals. Thank you very much, John. Uh, if you want to sponsor an episode, go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall for more information. In the meantime, uh, we have lots to get to. Konstantin uh, Borussia Dortmund squeezed by Gladbach on Tuesday night. It was uh, an exciting match uh, because the scoreline was always very tight. However, uh, I've read many complaints of people uh, that this game was dominated by the so-called Angsthasen-Fußball. What do you make of this assessment? Are people right that uh, this game was maybe quite as delicious to watch than uh, the Leipzig against Wolfsburg Cup match the next day? I mean, I didn't catch too much from the uh, Leipzig-Wolfsburg match, so I don't have you know a point of comparison there. Okay. Um, but what I can tell you is that... Um, especially in terms of like what Dortmund have done and do right now is um, knowing their limitations, which is actually, I mean, it might be sad for some fans who still think that Dortmund is like the second best team in Germany, uh, which they aren't. Um, but <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's also Already nice to... Shade at Joachim Watzke. Of course. Um, but I, I think, I think in a way it's, it's nice to see that like Dortmund know that, uh, you know, that like uh, playing against Gladbach, Uh, it's not like a walk in the park um, and hasn't been a walk in the park for quite some time. But um, I think especially in a, in a cup uh, quarterfinal, um, I think that, that the team just knew um, that it will be quite dangerous, especially because uh, Gladbach is a kind of team that can expose some of the um, bigger or more prevalent shortcomings uh, in the Stoltman team um, through pressing um, and the kinds of tools Gladbach have. So, yeah, I think um, it might have been, you know, an uh, Fußball match, as you, uh, <laughs> you know, um, as you said. But I think, after all, it's, a, it's more about the result. And also, as I said, um, it's also, in a way, you know, um, kind of need to see that, like, that the team doesn't overestimate their own abilities. Because, quite frankly, that has been a part of 
Dortmund, you know, to overestimate um, own abilities um, in the past, you know, in the, in the not so distant past, actually. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of, uh, in my opinion, my book. That's kind of how I view the match. Uh, was it was it a bomb burner? No, it wasn't. Uh, was it the most entertaining match ever? No, of course not. Was it the most entertaining match of the P- recent week? No was kind of boring but uh you know there is also there were stakes especially if you look at the at the brackets i mean who's left um it's you know they're like leipzig and now dortmund so the, the getting or and Werder Bremen probably but you know um there are two teams that can win that thing um so why not you know play it a little bit safe and and win it um, and I think we will later talk about the Bayern Munich match, of course, and, and some of the things we saw from Dortmund in this Gladbach match will also give an indication of how Dortmund might play against Bayern. Um, of course, different different matchup, different kind of dynamic there, but still, um, I think there you can we can draw some some of the points uh, away from the match against Gladbach. Yeah, I said in the preview episode that um, I would expect Dortmund to stick to this uh, 4-3-3 setup they're playing right now. Um, this time it was Dahoud, Bellingham and Delaney in the midfield three. And uh, I think after 20 minutes or so, um, Terzic actually pushed Dahoud further up the field and put Delaney in the number six slot, if you will. Um, and that obviously helped Dortmund because they had very little um, uh, possession stints uh, that, that were any good. Um, and uh, I th- I thought that Gladbach in the beginning were a bit of the better side, especially with uh, Kramer pressing the hoot quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously after uh, three games in a row and starting the hoot, I I don't think it's a big secret anymore that uh, if you uh, trouble him a little bit more, that it can only help your own team. And uh, yeah, that was a bit disruptive. And obviously, uh, if we talk about disruption, uh, we can immediately go to the fifth minute because Rafael Guerrero felt something in his thigh and needed to be subbed off. Uh, for him came uh, Nico Schulz, who uh, then obviously later went on to instigate Dortmund's goal. Um, overall, Constantine, what are you making of this particular Dortmund backline? Uh, now we had Schulz for Guerrero. Hummels is obviously playing there, but then you had him partnered up with Emre Can. And uh, instead of Meunier, who has been back from injury, uh, you see now Morey on the right side. And uh, yeah, it's it's a bit different than uh, previous weeks, but uh, it did work to a certain extent. Yeah, and I think we uh, we might see the same backline uh, against Bayern. Um, I mean, there's there's still like some hope <laughs> left that that Rafael Guerrero uh, will play against Bayern, but it's it looks more and more unlikely um, that he will play because of the injury uh, he suffered. So, so I mean, Nico Schulz is the backup. Uh, whether you like it or not, he's the backup. Um, so yeah, I mean, he did a decent job actually. Uh, wasn't as um, let's as as up and down ish as he has been in some you know in some of his outings this season last season. So um, I like the Hummels and John pairing in a way. I like especially John uh, after you know after turnovers. He's he's the guy who's pushing the pushing forward, uh, which is kind of what you want from a center back. Um, you know, especially if you rely on transition attacks a lot. Um, you know, not to be too cautious to really see where there's space you can push forward after especially after turnovers and uh, to use that that momentum you have there um so that's why i i rate 
Emerson probably more highly than than a lot of people. Um, and I rate Moray, despite some of the shortcomings he has in his game, more highly than than Mounier at this point, um, especially. And we will probably talk about that as well. Um, you know, these switch plays, um, these 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 cross passes or these, these diagonal passes are, are a big factor in Dortmund's transition attacks. And one one thing you can do is like play from the from the right half space to the left side to Sancho, of course. Of course you can, um, but Moray is also someone who you know who's quite quick on his feet, who, who who starts running down the field quite quickly after turnovers, and who's also someone who can then receive a diagonal ball f- uh, from the other side, from from Schultz, for instance, or from Guerrero, of course, if he's fit. So I think he's also uh, in terms of like these transition attacks, he's uh, someone who contributes a lot. Um, is he the most you know? the most precise and, and clean defender. No, he's not. Um, but, I mean, Munier isn't as well. So it's, it's, not, it's not like there's, there's a big downgrade uh, from Munier to Murray. Um, You know, they are, they are two, two, in terms of defending, they are two players who are, who are shaky at best. Um, but that's what you have there and what you can, that the hand you have been played um, So, I mean, <laughs> so it's not, it's not Tertic's fault that uh, you have these two there. Yeah, very, very correct. Um, I would say that uh, Murray has uh, actually impressed me, uh, especially maybe it's Matthias's fault because he jinxed him very hard by saying that basically this kid can't play and needs to be sold or loaned out. And ever since then, uh, Murray has actually done well. Uh, there was one moment, uh, I think it was uh, with Thuram, where he was actually... Uh, uh, you know, utilizing all the God-given strength that he has and actually won that uh, duel, which kind of surprised me, but, uh, you know, a uh, bit of a hidden power in his arms and in his upper body. So um, I, I think that's that's positive. Overall, I, I would say this game um, was uh, very uh, hard fought. I thought it, it felt a bit like a derby in a sense that uh, there were really crunching challenges. I mean, Dahoud got a booking very early on and we'll talk about the sending off in a second. Uh, but but also Gladbach were uh, not really holding back either. Uh, uh, I mean that Benzabaini only got a yellow card in uh, stoppage time was a bit of a joke to be honest, and uh, Lastenel also booked. Um, so yeah, I I think that that sort of characterizes the game that uh, a lot was uh, at stake, especially for Gladbach who are sort of kind of trying to salvage their season because we all know. Uh, there's probably no coming back against Manchester City in the return leg. They're 2-0 down after the home leg. And uh, they're ninth in the Bundesliga. Obviously, they can salvage that. But uh, now, with this game, they, I think, have lost their last four in a row, which is obviously uh, not making things pretty for them. And uh, in that regard, (laughs) at Tragedia 1917, simply ask, is Marco Rose good? (laughs) Well, <laughs> no, he's the shit. So uh, no, <laughs> um, I mean he is, but quite frankly, he has been overrated a little bit uh, in the past. Maybe not this year, but in a way, he has or has been overrated. Um, I think like some people wanted to make him the next big thing in in, in German coaching, you know, or Central European coaching, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think like he's he's one of the better coaches in Germany. Um, but he's not like this this world beater who will just uh, coach his way to the top and win Champions League uh, trophies left and right. That's just not that's just not the case, quite frankly. Um, he had a good first season with Gladbach. 
he did a lot of things well changed the team from his predecessor uh Dieter Hacking you know there was a clear you could see that he really his footprint or his fingerprints or whatever were all over the team early on already so you could see that that really he wanted to change things um but now this season they have been quite atrocious uh, especially in the Bundesliga um because the team hasn't changed i mean that's the that's basically the same team compared to the previous season with a few additions actually uh when you look at Hannes Wolf uh Dennis Zakaria coming back who who missed a lot of matches uh in the second half of last season so overall i think like the team has underachieved this season um played a pretty bad campaign i, I think it was somewhat masked um because of the decent matches they played in the Champions League in the group stage but I mean if we look back they um, had two wins against Shakhtar because Shakhtar beat Real and you know the, the, the group was all over the place a little bit in terms of results and Internazionale wasn't doing well um, that's why uh, in the end Gladbach um, you know got to the round of 16 um, in the Champions League but of course you could see against uh, Manchester City like there's there's like a big difference there's there's a lot of a lot of levels to this to this game and you could see it in that match um, and also in the Bundesliga they have, I mean there have been so many matches um, played by Klappa this, this year they, they won some uh, just thanks to you know strengths at set pieces <laughs> um, scoring a few set piece goals um, or just last Stindl doing his thing which can help sometimes, you know, if the team doesn't really do well, and then he he just does something uh, outstanding, and you know they win a match which they had no right to win. Um, also, I think the the stock of a couple of these players has dropped a little bit. You know, if you look at Zakaria, even Florian Neuhaus, um, I think they were in, were in a better spot a year ago. Uh, than they are now because just I don't know they I, I I don't want to call it it exposed but you know to a to a, to an extent they have been exposed uh, that they you know they are good but there are some some holes in their games um, same for Alessandro Player for instance you know who's like who was who was a great striker in previous years but right now I mean, he's not even a, start, a starting eleven player um, most of the time so overall I think like when we talk about Rosa. Um, the thing, and I've, I and I'm, I know that like Dortmund fans are asking about Rosen because he's taking over in summer. Um, I think that the biggest concern and really where he has to prove his doubters wrong in a way, um, is that Gladbach have done quite badly against um teams that defended deep. You know, that was sitting deep when Gladbach had a lot of possession. Then they struggled. So now when we look at Dortmund, same thing. <laughs> so is he the right coach to really change that? Um, because Dortmund is even a, a bigger team, a bigger club than Gladbach, as, uh, at least in you know 2021. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, cautious there. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe he has like a couple of ideas he can implement and, and we will change things and it will be for the better. Who knows? Maybe he will have a good to great first season and then things will fall off a little bit. I am not sure. But like thinking that he's like the, as I said, like the next big thing, that's a stretch. And I, I think people have now realized, especially I think because of there was a lot of limelight on him, on him, um, and you know he was exposed to to uh, 
degree of media attention he hasn't been before. Uh, you know, when he won things with Klatt, uh, with Salzburg or even his first season with Klappa was different. Now he's like the next Dortmund coach. So that's big, uh, big difference there. And I think like then people realize that, yes, he's competent and he's capable and he's one of the better coaches in the Bundesliga, but he's not like, you know, levels above the, the uh, Adi Hütters and Florian Kofels. He's better than them, but not extremely better than them. Yeah, so Edgstiff's FC turns this question kind of around and wants to know what if Eden Tessic ends up winning the Pokal and pressing in the Champions League and finishes in the top four. Are we missing out on a great manager? I mean, he's staying at the club. Yeah. He's still assistant <laughs> coach. So he's not leaving uh, because... And I mean, like, it will be interesting. Let's uh, Because I, I was thinking about uh, the, the Tercic um, situation, if you want to call it, that uh, just recently, because... I mean, if he if he wouldn't have got the the, the, the assistant spot again, if if Dortmund wouldn't have decided to give him like a, a new assistant uh, job next season, I don't know. I know about his future uh, because up until now, up until a few weeks ago, it, 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 the impression he he you got was that he wasn't really a coach up to par in the Bundesliga. So. You know, he he might have gotten a, a job in the second Bundesliga or in the you know even the, like the third league or I don't know in 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 the Eredivisie or some some something like that. You know, sometimes these coaches if they can't cut it in the Bundesliga, they they go somewhere else um, and try it again and maybe they have success or maybe not. Um, but you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, you had the impression that like there's no way he has a future in the Bundesliga. Uh, burned out after a couple of months, so um, now <laughs> it looks different. But quite frankly, um, he's still like at a at a level or at a in a, in a position where I think like getting back to being the assistant coach might be for the best for him. Um, I think he has shown that he is, and that's something I have said before in a couple of uh, shows on a couple of shows, I guess. Um, is that I think because he was a scout for many years, because he was assistant coach, he has a great he has a great eye for talent. I think he can he can really assess. Uh, strengths and weaknesses of players uh, quite well. Uh, is he really a coach? Uh, is he really someone who can come up with a plan? You know, put these things together. Like his his an analysis of players, can he put it together and make a plan, make a match plan, make a, you know, come up with a tactic, <laughs> uh, come up with different approaches? I don't know. I'm <laughs> well, not sure. Is he a locker room? Is number one uh, fanboy Mats Hummels? He said after the game that uh, Tasic is uh, drawing up great plans and that. Uh, in Hummel's opinion, he has a great coaching career. Take take that for what you will, but uh, at least that's, course, that's yeah. what he said. Um, of course, that's, that's that's the guy who pushed out uh, Fafa in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, coming back to it, no, no, but, but like like the last point I want to make is like this. All right, he may if he does well now and like he gets an offer, I guess he can take it. You know, I f I think Dortmund wants to keep him, but let's say. I mean, like a realistic scenario could be like this: if it really, if he, you know, they they win the cup, they maybe reach the Champions League semifinals. You know, not get ahead of ourselves, but who knows? You know, maybe they get an easy draw or an easy, you know, quote unquote easy draw in the in the quarterfinals, uh, and then they go to the semifinals and maybe reach the top four, even the top three, maybe. You know, if, if like Wolfsburg drop off or something, who knows? Let's just let's just you know think about that scenario. Then he goes back to his assistant coaching position in summer. 
works for Rose, which I mean, I, I guess once you smell blood as, as, as a coach, you know, once you, you have a taste of this, uh, you know, being the senior coach, being the head coach thing, I, I guess you, you want to get more. But because of where he was a few weeks ago, I think he just decided, all right, I go back to being assistant coach better than being out of a job. Uh, but I think, like, let's say a team like, uh, I don't know, Bielefeld. Now, Bielefeld just got a new coach, but who knows, <laughs> Hertha or, you know, one of these teams, Augsburg maybe, they look for a new coach next fall or next winter because, you know, first half season didn't go well, blah, blah, blah. And you look for one and the market is quite narrow right now in Germany. Then maybe they approach Tertich and say, what about you? Do you want to take the head coach position here at our at a smaller team? And I guess then he will say, yes, I want to, I want to. And I think Dortmund won't like stop him, won't prevent him from doing that. I guess that's kind of the what, what I would see because Rose is coming in with his own people. So it's not like Terchitz is there to, I don't know what, what he will do actually. So it's a, weird, it's a weird situation. It's something that happens a lot, but it's still a weird situation. Rose has his own team. Tertius is still there. Tertius was the assistant coach of Favre. So even like another scenario could be like, what, what if Favre gets a new job somewhere? I mean, who knows? Then maybe Tertius follows him. So there are different scenarios, but I, I don't see him staying at Dortmund for a long, long time because now he's exposed to the market. Now people know him. And if he doesn't do too too badly for the rest of the season, I guess he has a, has a, now a future in the Bundesliga or maybe the second Bundesliga, you know, I mean, coaching, I don't know, Bochum or something. <laughs> uh, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, because uh, I think uh, these past four games have uh, really helped his sending. But obviously, uh, with the way the Bundesliga business is going, this this can, uh, you know, you, your stock can rise and plummet uh, very quickly. Uh, it does fluctuate. But I think um, his decision-making as a coach, uh, his substitutions and his uh, tactical adjustments have helped him, actually. Uh, I, I think he has improved in... Uh, previous uh, weeks there is a bit of a learning curve visible um, obviously I still think uh, there there can be uh, a couple of things uh, are to be improved I think he can make substitutions a bit earlier in the games um, because this team looks very fatigued against Gladbach for example Haaland uh, I don't know if you need to keep him on for the uh, final 15-20 minutes or so uh, he he looks very tired and uh, you know then maybe try Mokoko or something like that but uh, obviously not easy decisions to make. Now, uh, what was obviously uh, an easy decision to make in the end, I think, was for Stegemann to send off Dahoud because he uh, blocked, uh, I think it was Ben Zabaini, uh, fr from the ball or someone else with his elbow. Um, the, uh, the second yellow was definitely warranted in that uh, situation. And uh, since a lot of people have uh, commented how he's going to miss the game against Bayern, no, that's wrong. Uh, it's not like in the Premier League where the EFA Cup and such uh, are sort of connected that uh, suspension carries over. Um, that only happens in the DFL Super Cup, uh, where if you see a red card there, you would also be suspended for the Bundesliga. But uh, in this case, the Hood will miss the semi-final, uh, whoever uh, it will be. Uh, as Konstantin said earlier, the uh, remaining teams are Leipzig and Kiel and Bremen and Regensburg are still... Uh, to play their games because I was uh, postponed due to a corona outbreak in Regensburg. So uh, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, the chances for Dortmund winning the cup or reaching the final are not too shabby. Uh, Leipzig are the team that they have beaten in the, in the past. And uh, I think Bremen has been their uh, boogie 
team in the cup a little bit. And yeah, I don't know if uh, uh, Kiel is always a bit of a wild card that can go either way, um, to be honest. But yeah, obviously good for Dortmund to still have title hopes uh, at, at this point. Uh, these things can always evaporate very quickly in a week. So uh, having won these four games, uh, a big turnaround. And obviously uh, it's very good news for Dortmund that they won the game in the fashion against Gladbach they did because the previous meeting was a 4-2 loss in uh, January I think January 22nd or so and uh, Gladbach scored three set pieces <laughs> and this time it was Dortmund making uh, use of a Gladbach set piece and uh, starting a counter-attack and I think that was one of the prettiest and best executed counter-attacks especially with the Jaden Sanchez finish just uh, to the inside of the post um, I thought that was uh, quite a brilliant move. Uh, the only unfortunate thing is that Sancho had to be subbed off after that sprint right away and uh, is now doubtful for the Bayern game as well as Guerrero. So that obviously sucks. Um, one last thing we should discuss briefly uh, because uh, Dortmund had a goal ruled off because Haaland, uh, I think it was Benzabaini again, uh, clipped him on the way to scoring the goal. Uh, Constantine, some people said it was uh, shouldn't shouldn't be a foul, shouldn't be called off. Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean it was somewhat soft, but um, I can like see the referee uh, making this decision just because it was you know it was a goal. It wasn't like a, a situation in midfield where what where you see these things differently. I know it shouldn't be that way, maybe, but it's still it's you see it differently than when there's a, like a crucial situation, like yeah. someone scoring a goal. I think it was um, a very good call. I think uh, he, I mean, it's unfortunate that he clipped him and was not intentional, yeah. but he also basically gets rid of uh, his marker and uh, gains a massive advantage that way. So while, um, you know, it's, it's a gray area. I think uh, if I go to the screen and uh, review it, that's, that's sort of handled differently than if the VAR just tells you whether it was a clear and obvious error. If the referee just walks to the uh, review, review area, he's supposed to make the mm. best decision. So um, I think I think it's the correct call. I, I don't really have many gripes with it, especially since Dortmund still win in the end so in hindsight in hindsight it was a great call you know if like Gladbach win uh win that thing then like uh, yeah, yeah then it's, uh, uh, then it's of course Stegemann is the idiot then, exactly yeah. then yeah. it's a terrible call that that that's the only way uh, <laughs> we handle this here completely unbiased on the yellow pot uh, but yeah let's obviously let's uh move over to the uh saturday match because there are obviously a lot of things to be discussed um personnel wise uh Bayern will be without Douglas Costa, uh, Pavard and Tuliso. And on the Dortmund side, uh, Akanji, Pischek, Schmelzer and Witzel are the uh, long-term injured. And obviously Guerrero and Sancho are doubtful. And the first question comes from at London LDN. And he wants to know which game has more priority, Sevilla or Munich? Jeez, I don't know. I'm in both. Like, I mean, I get it uh, that like if you lose against Bayern... It's not that big of a deal right now because there's, it's not a, a championship deciding match for Dortmund. You know, I mean, in a way, like of course Leipzig, they are hoping that like Dortmund do do something against Bayern. Uh, but you know, I mean, Dortmund 
they don't they don't have to care about Leipzig. Um, if you lose against Bayern, right now it's not a big deal. Um, in my opinion, you know, it's not like reputation damaging or something. Um, and in, in terms of like you, you you don't really battle for the championship against Bayern, but on your end, like you're still you know you're fighting for the Champions League spot. Um, and I mean, in a in a bigger picture, um, it's more important to to get to the Champions League to be qualified for the Champions League next year uh, or for next year's Champions League. I, I mean, um, then like be, whether be you're reaching the quarterfinals, <laughs> what? It's 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 more important to get to the Champions League than to be in it, is what you're saying. I think that kind I of mean, answers I, 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 the question. I mean, there's like yeah, financially. It's it's quite important to get out of the group stage because then you get a, a lot of money, you know, uh, over the winter break. Um, but of course, like if you are out of the Champions League, uh, then you lose a lot of money. You don't really lose a lot of money, or you don't really gain a lot of money uh, if you go to the quarterfinals instead of just you know being knocked out in the round of sixteen. There's not like the 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 money gap between these these knockout stages is quite small actually. But of course, if you don't go to Champions League at all, you lose a lot of money, especially in Dortmund's case. Or you don't lose money, but you don't receive money. Uh, and especially in Dortmund's case, they have planned their budget with that kind of money. So, you know, in their plans, their financial plans, they have assumed that Dortmund are always playing Champions League, at least group stage. So if you are out... That's a bad thing. So you have to go all out against Bayern, not because it's Bayern and you want to beat them for a reputation or whatever, because it's called their Klassiker everywhere out, everywhere <laughs> apart from Germany. Um, <laughs> yeah, at but... the USA, once uh, the over under on the amount of times we hear quote their Klassiker on the ABC broadcast, and yeah, that's just going to uh, ABC. Quick, it's not quick ESPN. Si quick sidebar. It's going to be the first time uh, that this game is uh, on on uh, I think national television in. Uh, the United States now, although I think it was on Fox before, but uh, yeah, ABC is it's also kind of big. So uh, yeah, it's is, is, isn't it ESPN? What's what's going on there? Yeah, ESPN like, and uh, ABC are a bit conjoined. I'm not entirely sure how, but uh, ESPN uh, okay. um, or or ABC also sort of share uh, some NBA games mm. and stuff like that. But uh, please don't name me down on it because uh, I, right. I might have okay. this uh, entirely wrong. But uh, there, there are some there's <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I mean, it's important for the people to know where it is, right? Where, yeah, where it's you, broadcasted. You, you, if you're in the United States, uh, make sure you watch it on ABC, so you don't have to log into. Yeah, make make ESPN sure you watch it on ABC and not on Fox, because you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, um, to to yeah. to revert to that question, uh, if 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 I may answer it, I think um, that the priority needs to be the Bundesliga right now. The top four finish is more important, and. Mm. Uh, Hence, uh, as as much as I love Champions League, um, uh, that's my answer. Um, question from Ed Cincy BVB: If Sancho and Rafa are given the okay to play, do you start them or keep them on the bench to rest for Sevilla? Uh, Constantine, I would say this is sort of uh, an interesting question because um, obviously you want the best team to play against Bayern, but at the same time. You do need to think about the future past that Bayern game and if uh, both players start and then pick up an injury and you sort of risk that they won't only be out for the Sevilla match, they will probably uh, miss for other crucial games. So uh, how do you think uh, see that? Because I, I think maybe uh, Dortmund need to be a bit cautious with that as, as much as it would pain the, to not have these uh, starters. I mean, it really depends 
what the injury is and like yeah i mean that's i can't really assess that without having this inside knowledge basically how you know because i mean from what we can tell right now is that if they if the two play they won't be at 100%, but it's still like it matters. Are they at 95%? Are they at you know, 80%? And just, you know, uh, get a couple of mats and then, then go out there or what, what's going on there? So uh, I know I, I'm not sure. So um, that's why I can't really say yes or no, A or B. Um, like generally, if a player is not really fit, and you have like to, you know, you have basically to put in on, on on some kind of of medicine to, you know, to basically uh, turn turn off his his uh, senses, so to say, so he, he doesn't feel any pain. Um, that's usually like the case when you shouldn't play him. Yeah, just in general, you know, like like uh, you know, detached from the Guerrero uh, Sancho situation, just in general, like better not play him because um, that's not like how it should be. Uh, if they, but that that's that's my my problem in a way, like. Usually, I would say if they are fit, you know, if they are not on the injured list to to like put it in a NFL speech uh, speak, um, then I assume that they are one hundred percent. But that's of course in reality it's not the case. No. So to m- I th- maybe I think they are both fit. That that both these players were carrying knocks into the uh, Gladbach game, and that's that's probably See? true for a lot of players. I mean, if you just look at but the, there's there's also variations, right? That's yeah. there's varying degrees of being knocked yeah yeah i mean at, at this point at this point of the season it's it's very rare that players don't have little niggles here and there that's just uh par for the course and so you can obviously talk about uh, painkiller abuse and all that kind of subjects but we don't have time for this um <laughs> to be honest uh, uh speaking of painkillers though at uh, cabana suite wants to know can our defense hold up against byron's attack now, obviously, uh, Bayern's attack uh, mostly is uh, Robert Lewandowski with the 28 goals he has scored in the Bundesliga thus far, which is an amazing number. Um, but obviously, um, goals for uh, is at 67 after 23 match days, which is uh, rather audacious. Uh, the second best attack in the Bundesliga is already Dortmund's with uh, 48. And after that is uh, Frankfurt and Stuttgart. And uh, interestingly enough, Wolfsburg, who are in third place, only have 37 goals to their names. And uh, yeah, uh, so there's a bit of a gap even between the second best and the first best uh, attack. So, uh, Konstantin, I, I know this is probably a more complex answer, but uh, how how can Dortmund's defense uh, contain this Bayern team? Well, and Stuttgart is only up there because they scored five against Dortmund. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Schalke. <laughs> yeah, and Schalke. Like, like, you know, Stuttgart, they have like their new campaign thing is like just beating on these uh, West German clubs. Yeah, okay. So um, Bayern also, like right on the first match day, they just select Schalke 8-0. That obviously yeah, I, I helps know, too. I know, I know. I know. You know, playing Schalke in general helps <laughs> helps your yeah. helps your scores in the, in the you know, in the other position in the table and stuff like that um i mean yeah of course there would be a more complex uh question i i think like uh i mean if we like put it in a wider context i think that the most important um let's say duel in a way um although it's not really a duel um isn't really happening in terms of like Lewandowski against Emre Can, Lewandowski against Hummels or something like that um of course Lewandowski is like kind of their their biggest weapon uh but usually he benefits a lot from uh the, the distribution he gets 
Um, and the space he gets, or the space he creates for himself, of course, uh, but also the space he, he just has because uh, the, the team behind him does a lot of work. Um, so I think like that the more important part, the more important, the more interesting matchup here is uh, like Kimmich Goretzka against let's say Dahoud and Delaney or Dahoud Bellingham Delaney. Who knows? Like, I think that's the more important matchup because containing Kimmich and Goretzka is like even more difficult, in my opinion, than Lewandowski. Levin, you, you can defend Lewandowski in a way uh, for, you know, most of the time. Maybe he will score one, um, but that's all right. Um, but Kimmich and Goretzka can like break your team, basically. Um, especially if they are together. Um, you know, Kimmich alone is like counter-pressing machine, but Kimmich with Goretzka, now there's also the, the speed and dynamic uh, part covered, and like Goretzka can can do a lot of forward ones. Uh, Kimmich can back him a little bit, but also Kimmich can go forward and like Goretzka can back him. So it's like these two, then coupled with the other players, of course, uh, but these two are the, the engine of this team. And on the other, on the other side, Dortmund... They have like talented center midfielder like Dahoud in Bellingham, but of course we know that these two, or even Delaney, that these two might be up to par against Kimmich or Gertz, but we are not sure right now. And I think if they can contain them, contain Kimmich and Gertz, then like Dortmund has a chance to at least get a point. If they can't really do that, and Terzic has to do cha- has to make changes. Um, halfway through the match, which will be difficult because there is not another center midfielder on the bench apart from Tobias Raschel, basically. <laughs> so, um, well, or maybe Brandt in that position as an he eight. could play Prunt, but like, like, especially Prunt, I guess, especially Prunt against Kimi and Goretzka, like that will be a nightmare for Dortmund, I guess, yeah. right now, especially in, in like in the condition Prunt is. Um, so right, do you contain them? Can you, you know, get on their nerves? Um, Get around Kimmich's counterpress. Can you really? Can you maybe you know um, give give Koretska an early knock or something? You know, slow him a little bit down, stuff like that. Can you do that, or can't? Or are you not able to do that? Like that's the big question, in my opinion. If you can't do that, of course, then Lewandowski will have a field field day because then he will get get all these passes, um, and then it's hard to really um, you know take him out of the match. Um, and then, yeah, then he will score. But it's really, you know, uh, 20, 30 yards, yards behind him. That's really where the, the the most important matchup is really played. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, uh, what Bayern is doing so well is obviously uh, they're, they're counter-pressing, you know. Uh, and that that's certainly the, the next question I have because Dortmund's defense, uh, believe it or not, also, uh, I, especially against Bayern, Depends very much on uh, Dortmund's own uh, ability to to keep the ball and and ha- have phases of possession and uh, manage to evade Bayern's pressing. And this is obviously where they then can transition into dangerous attacks themselves. Um, I think the the recent uh, performances against Bayern Munich have been uh, a bit more promising for Dortmund in the Super Cup and the the league. They have not uh, been blown out completely. But uh, I think I heard today it was on the press conference. Uh, that Dortmund's last five trips to the Allianz Arena in the Bundesliga has resulted in a uh, goal difference of 24 to 2 or something crazy like that. So uh, exactly, it's it's been a massacre recently. Um, 
Who do you expect to start in uh, Bayern's front three behind uh, Lewandowski? Because against uh, Cologne it was uh, Schuppomoteng, Moziala and Zane. Uh, I would assume that uh, maybe Gnabry well, and Müller come back into that. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Um, I mean, Müller is ready, so he, he will play. Um, so Musiala is probably on the bench. Um, I think Musiala might be the first option uh, if uh, Hansi Flick wants to get another, you know, attacking attacking player on the field. Um, but Napri and Coman will probably start. Sané is, of course, the other uh, backup they have. Uh, but I think like they will right now. Knabri, uh, Müller, and Komar is the the you know, the first string attacking midfield, right. so to say. Uh, Musiala is there. Musiala is their biggest talent, and he has played a couple of matches against Lazio and uh, against Cologne, and that's all right. I think in the, in this kind of game against Dortmund, because there's still like there's still a lot of respect uh, for Dortmund, even in coming from Bayern, um, despite the. Uh, <laughs> average season Dortmund have played or the, the below average season and there's still a lot of respect and and I think uh, that's especially the, the kind of match where where Hansi Flick will pick Müller because it's just you know experience and just being Müller and uh, finding these spaces our players don't find um, that's why he will he will probably pick him um, yeah and, and Labri and Coman they they might not have the most highlight real heavy season um, but just Consistency as a big key here for these two. Uh, might not have world beaters all the time, but there's a lot of consistency there. And I guess that's also something you want to have against Dortmund. Uh, because the less well as you have in uh, during the 90 minutes, the better for, for Bayern. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm uh, quite worried because the problem for Dortmund is that Bayern usually bring their absolute A game against Dortmund because uh, yeah. it's, it's a, still a prestigious game and uh, Dortmund are often considered the second biggest team. I don't know if they're considered the second best team right now. I think that award probably goes uh, to Leipzig because they're pushing Bayern for set title right now. And uh, if Leipzig overcome Freiburg and if Dortmund win this match, we actually will have a change at the top of the table, which uh, if it weren't for Leipzig would actually be exciting. <laughs> Sorry if I have to say this. Uh, I know you have a different opinion and I, I think overall it's, it helps the Bundesliga uh, to have a title race and uh, would be nice for Dortmund to have a hand in that even though I'm, you know, personally I wouldn't uh, be celebrating if Leipzig win the, the league. But, um, you know, also not really in Dortmund's hands right now uh, what's going on at the very top of the table. Dortmund... Uh, Needs need to uh, pay more attention to even uh, make it to the top four spot. Um, so yeah, we've talked about uh, Bayern's uh, sort of uh, approach a little bit. How do you think Dortmund will fare? Because my expectation is, and I might be wrong here, is that we would see again a four-three-three setup uh, with more uh, density in in midfield, and then obviously. Uh, leave the counter-pressing to Royce and Sancho, obviously, if he's available, or Hazard, I guess, would be the other alternative. And then uh, Haaland, of course, uh, hoping to get him in behind Bayern's uh, backline, which probably will be uh, Zule and uh, Alaba, Kimmich, uh, uh, not Kimmich, Alaba, Boateng, and who is the one? Oh, yeah, Davies. <laughs> um so yeah, this is... Oh. this. <laughs> well. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> this is... This is uh, 
uh, yeah, probably Dortmund's plan. They had a couple of moments in previous games where Haaland was one-on-one -on -one against Neuer, but uh, Neuer most of the time won this duel, but also uh, uh, is very quick to the ball, leaving his goal line. But maybe this time will be the time that uh, Haaland is a bit uh, quicker and uh, gets to the ball before Neuer. Um, Konstantin, Bayern have not been uh, completely... Uh, uh, Flawless. Flawless, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so how do you think Dortmund uh, need to proceed to uh, yeah, punish Bayern's weaknesses? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we, we all watched the first, like, the, the first match between the, the, these two teams uh, earlier this season. Uh, I know, still with Lucien Favre uh, in charge at Dortmund, but, but still, I think, like, this match will look quite similarly if you remember the first match at Dortmund they were really counter heavy uh, playing a lot of, lot of long balls mm -hmm. um, over the left side against Pavar. Pavar is not probably will not play but you know they have like Suler there right now so still like someone you can target uh, because he's not the quickest player <laughs> surprise surprise um, so I guess that there will be kind of a counter heavy Dortmund team with the free uh, four three three. You got these three midfielders, especially Dahoud and Bill, uh, Bellingham, who will, of course in uh, after turnovers they will try to accelerate Dortmund's plays um, and play these these switch balls probably to to you know to Sancho or maybe if Sancho is not available then then someone like Hassar or Arena will play uh, just someone who has quick feet and who can make these runs behind Sula. On the on the left side uh, and Holland uh, through the middle, and so you will see Dortmund have their moments um, and maybe even score. I don't know. I mean, they had the they had the chance to score uh, against Bayern in the first match. A you know more than they did. Um, yeah, they scored so, two. I mean, it was a three-two. Yeah, but, but they had. To, what I wanted to say what they had the chance to score four or something. Yeah, the expected goals uh, for Dortmund was two according to FB Ref, and for Bayern was one point one. All right, but you know. Um, but you but that that sometimes can be a four four to a four goal a game for for a team you know if they have two, yeah. two point one or something in, in terms I, I, of the expected I was, goals. I was, just, I was just gonna say though, like usually when Dortmund have a expected goal value of around two, it's more likely they score three or four. Right, right, and, and like in the match, I mean, if you remember that were like as you just said, Holland has uh, had a few um, situations where he. Where he had a chance to score another goal against uh, Neuer and he didn't, and like there were all these discussions. Yeah, like, he, I mean, now he shows his youth and immaturity or something, like all this BS. Um, but whatever. Uh, but I think like this match will look quite similarly in terms of like Dortmund will hit Bayern with counterattacks. They might score a goal here and there, but Bayern will also show their strengths. So um, maybe it's not a shootout or maybe not the kind of shootout we had in the first match, but um, Dortmund won't look um, as like totally overmatched. If they will win it, I don't know. Like if we were look back at, at some of these matches in recent years uh, with like basically the same teams more or less, like, you know, a few changes here and there, but basically the same teams. Uh, um, Dortmund had a couple of matches where they didn't look like they had any right to be there and, you know, any any chance to beat Bayern. But also you got, like like the first match this season where you saw, okay, Dortmund actually can beat them. 
Um, I think the underdog role suits them quite well in, in such a match. Um, if they really can capitalize on, on and win it, I'm not sure, but uh, they won't look like they are totally overmatched. Like that's that's something I, I'm very certain about. I mean, the, the the honest truth here is that it more depends on whether Bayern Munich have an excellent day or just a good day or a mediocre day. Um, or just a vice beer day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because... Uh, if you think back to the Super Cup match, uh, for example, um, in that game, Bayern were pretty good for a long stretch, but then they completely dropped off in the second half and Dortmund uh, almost rallied back to, to equalize that game. And they came very close. If something like that happens again to Bayern, where um, they sort of uh, collapse and fatigue, which is uh, nothing out of the ordinary at this point of the season. I mean, Dortmund were pretty tired after the uh, midweek game, and that's, I guess, a big advantage for Bayern that they didn't have a cup match, uh, <laughs> which uh, was pretty straining. So, um, yeah, this is this is what I think will uh, really happen. And uh, I think we talk more about Dortmund's energy levels in uh, games against Bayern than any other match because uh, I mean most famously obviously the uh, Champions League final where Dortmund uh, really uh, drained all their energies like in the first 30 minutes or so and then uh, uh, were a bit flat footed uh, later on uh, yeah I'm I'm intrigued how Dortmund will approach this because they they will have to uh, yeah not not blow it all out <laughs> right right away either <laughs> so um yeah, this is this is something I think that will have more of a focus. But obviously, it's also down a bit to 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 match luck. Obviously, if if Bayern score uh, two goals early, then this competition might be over, and it could be another massacre. But at the same time, uh, of course, yeah, it's 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 a bit of an open game. What uh, I would say is that I'm just looking forward to it and and see uh, how this Dortmund team that just had four wins on the bounce uh, now uh, approach the Allianz Arena, and I think. It will answer some questions about the overall uh, uh, form of of Bayern uh, of Dortmund because that's obviously a, a big test. Full stop. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, of course, a uh, massacre would like we, we talked about like what's more important, uh, the Sevilla match or the Bayern match. Of course, a massacre wouldn't help uh, for the Sevilla match as well uh, because then you go into the match and you have self doubts and all all the stuff. Um, so yeah, of course. I mean, I don't, but I don't think so I, unless there's like something, as you said, like an early penalty and then another goal within the, within ten minutes or so, and then then things can go south uh, <laughs> quickly. But but that's something like quite frankly that could also happen against like Gladbach in the in, in the cup. Exactly. If you if you concede like two goals early on, who knows what's going on? Like maybe you lose by four or five. Who knows? You know, and that can happen when you play Leipzig or, or even uh, Eintracht Frankfurt or something in the in the Bundesliga um, or Sevilla or someone else in the in the Champions League so that's so that there's a possibility of course Bayern are more ruthless than a lot of teams um, still like if it's like a normal game and there's like nothing uh, outrageous going on early on then I think like Dortmund have a have a fair chance to at least look decent look look good um, and you know be competitive and um, I think right now uh, it might not be satisfying to a lot of fans but right now that's something uh, you can be 
you you should be satisfied with if they look co- uh, competitive against Bayern because like just remember like what what kind of a shit show this season has been <laughs> um apart from a few from a few uh, shining lights it has been kind of a shit show with you know managerial changes uh losing matches uh, getting beaten by Stuttgart and so on, uh, in, uh, like not getting beaten, getting liberated, liberated by Stuttgart uh, and stuff like that. So let's let's just be, let's be glad, let's be let's be uh, happy if like Dortmund look competitive against Bayern right now, because that's, that's not the season where I really could challenge Bayern, of course. Yeah, no, but uh, for 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 this one game, I really hope uh, Dortmund shows up uh, to their very best. Interesting, obviously. Uh, Something we haven't discussed, and I, I think there's a is a the question in in that pertinence. I think uh, Ed Awesome Bill asks, uh, will Kimmich be so brave to tackle Haaland this time, given he sustained an injury last time he tried to throw himself at the galloping beast? But uh, the other question I'm actually looking for is, uh, will he be able to chip hits like he did Berkey last season, as they had extensive data on Berkey, but maybe not hits? Question mark because obviously right now uh, I think uh, Roman Bürki has been benched and Marvin Hitz uh, uh, has not really given too many reasons to to drop him and obviously it's a difficult season for for Roman Bürki and the goalkeeper question is uh, very much uh, open uh, for the black and yellows so um, that being said uh, how do you think uh, the uh, involvement of Hitz will if at all change this game for Dortmund for the better or worse. I mean, personally, I don't, I don't really see that much of a change. I think Hitz has done okay in terms of like build-up plays. He's still not the kind of keeper you want um, because he do- he doesn't really get involved too much. Or I mean, if he gets involved, he's not he's not contributing anything else than like just you know safe passes. Uh, so it's not what you really need or want uh, from your goalkeeper, especially with Dortmund like having these struggles at the back, uh, needing basically a, a playmaking goalkeeper. They have like uh, basically three center backs, you know, more or less in in build-up. Uh, so he's not doing that. Um, and the, like the the Kimmich uh, chip ball last season, uh, yeah, I mean it was like a tremendous goal. So it wasn't like really Berkey's fault. It was just an outstanding goal. I think if like the uh, was it the last match or was it the ma- I, I don't remember. Like like it was one of the recent matches where Kimmich tried that same thing, like a chip ball, you know, from the from the right half space from outside, just outside the box, and like he completely botched it like there you know there he got no air under the ball basically uh so i mean just remember like uh, you know Kimmich is like one of the great midfielders uh in germany or in europe uh but it's not like he will hit that kind of ball every hour day now so yeah i mean um i'm not sure if if you will be brave enough to make that tackle against holland i guess so because uh i mean Kimmich is kind of a madman <laughs> so it's not like he he will think twice about it and like oh no i got injured last time he will more like all right uh just you know in the moment he, yeah he will just go for it uh, again I'm, I'm, i mean i'm actually a bit more disappointed that people are not asking about how manuel neuer will deal with the uh goal threat that is mahmoud Ahut now um but sure uh i think one last question though uh, i know we have a lot of uh, american listeners uh is obviously uh Girena's role in this game because with sancho being out potentially he could even start now, um, recently, I would say, especially in the tactical sense, he has not covered himself in glory. His position game has been micromanaged by his managers. And uh, yeah, he has not, let's say, been as industrious, for example, uh, as Billing- Bellingham was, uh, if you want to draw that particular comparison against Gladbach. So, Konstantin, um, if he 
gets the nods in this very big game, what does he need to do better than he has done in recent games uh, to earn maybe another start against Sevilla or whatever? Was it just be better than Julian Brandt <laughs> or Hazard? I guess so, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's... I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, yeah, t I mean, being better than Julian Brandt is like... <laughs> not that hard right now. Um, so... Hard, hard, hard to say. It, like, it, re it really depends. Like, sing singing out a player uh, is hard for me to do, especially with the Stoltman team. Like, uh, apart from Holland and, and Sancho, there, uh, all of these players had like ups and downs uh, over the past few f few months. So, like, there's not so even like Sancho had his up and downs, but uh, ups and downs. But like, quite frankly, I mean, most of the time he's he's one of the best players uh, in the league, and Holland's the same. Like, sometimes he's not. You know, not as not as present as he should be, maybe, or as you, you know so expect from him. Uh, but most of the time, he's just you know he's just Holland, basically. Yeah. Um, so you know, being Holland is like kind of a kind of a thing in world football now. Um, so yeah, I mean, like singing out a player is, is hard for me because uh, I haven't really seen anyone else besides these two uh, who has been like world beer uh, for most of the time and so um, that's why I also like when I when I get asked like what's the best starting 11 or something like that like I really have a hard time with Dortmund right now because like I look at the I look at the team uh, and I see like players like uh, Hazard as you said like um, even Mukoku uh, Mounier, like we had a Mounier Moray discussion, um, even like Paslak, maybe Sagadu, like all these players. Like, you think about it, and I think, like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe they should play, but you know, but maybe Delaney should play, but you know, Delaney is also like his faults, Dahoud the same, Bellingham the same, Royce, Royce, I mean, Royce the captain, so like there's something else to it, but. <laughs> Hard to say, hard to say, really. And I, I'm actually looking forward to this Bayern match now because I, I just really want to see like who's who's up for the up for par and who's not. And like Tertic uh, will make some inter um, have some. I mean, maybe not, but uh, maybe during the match he might have to make some difficult decisions. Yeah, I mean, Tertic has made some uh, uh, good adjustments uh, <laughs> previously, but obviously uh, yeah. playing against Bayern is always a different kind of back. And uh, yeah, speaking of adjustments, I mean, I think, was it Lucien Favre who subbed off uh, Jane Sancho a couple of Bayern games ago uh, after like 30 minutes because Sancho was just uh, not really doing anything uh, to, to help Dortmund's matters and, uh, you know... Uh, so so we, sure. we, we'll see, but right now, if if Sancho plays, I expect him to perform uh, uh, more maturely than he did back then. But uh, yeah, I don't want to uh, then annoy you with any further uh, individual player questions. And uh, I think it's time to move on to the predictions. So, Constantine, uh, how do you think this game will result? Uh, how do you think this game will end mm -hmm. in the scoreline? Slow and easy. Uh, um, I guess it will be 2-1 Bayern win. Sorry, but I guess that's just how it works these days. Yeah, that's that's a very realistic prediction. I think that Dortmund will uh, hold Bayern to a point and will hmm. have a 2 all draw. That's my prediction. Anyway, uh, as always, Konstantin, thank you for coming on and uh, being a good sport. Now, please uh, tell our listeners how to uh, find you on the interwebs with all your Twitter and YouTube, etc. things going on. 
Oh my god! Oh my god. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm so I'm so I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just check me out on Twitter, cc underscore Eckner. Um, then you can go to YouTube, as you said. Like, if you are a German speaker or like if you understand German, of course, um, then you can check out my my channel. Uh, it just you know just type in Konstantin Eckner, uh, Konstantin with a capital C, uh, or just you know youtube.com slash Konstantin Eckner. Um, that's also something you can do. Um, and you, of course, you can also listen to uh, my my podcast with Abel Mesage, um, the football pod on Spotify, iTunes, and so on. Uh, just our latest episode is we have done with uh, Jan Agafjotov, um, former Norwegian striker and now uh, TV pundit, also I think in, for ESPN. Um, and we talked a lot about Erling Holland, the fellow Norwe- Norwegian, uh, who Fjotov knows quite well uh, because of the, his connection to um, Alfie Holland, uh, the, the dad. Yeah, very well. Uh, please check that out. Uh, you can obviously follow all of us at Yellow Wall Pods. You can follow me mm-hmm. at Stefan Butzko. And if you want to subscribe to the show, you can also do that on YouTube or also iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. Uh, even Google Play and Verbal. <laughs> so many <laughs> options to subscribe to this podcast. You can uh, uh, find the RSS on our uh, website, theyellowwall.net, where you can also find our written content if you want to contribute financially and help us out keep this show running then you can like john deals did go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall for more information or just hit me up if you have any questions in the meantime i hope everyone stays safe and has an enjoyable byron game uh, however you are watching this and uh, we shall be back then uh, next week with a discussion of the Bayern game and of course another preview of the second leg against Sevilla so it's a big week uh, lots of things to look forward to until then as always thank you for listening and goodbye